0: welcome to the beers and ears podcast here are your hosts casey woolley and matthew brown hello everyone and welcome to the beers and ears podcast my name is casey and i want to welcome back to the show uh, my wonderful friend and co-host matt welcome back matt
1: Hello, everyone. It's so great to be back on the pod.
0: It was so weird for two episodes not having you here. Now, don't get me wrong. Amber and Scott did absolutely phenomenal, and I absolutely loved both of the shows that we did. Did you get a chance to listen to those, Matt?
1: I have, and I have to say it's a little bit strange because, I mean, obviously, we listen to every single one of the episodes that we record, A, because we physically recorded it, but also because of editing and all this other stuff. It's rather strange to uh, listen to the podcast that that you that you host that you're not on, and like you said, uh, thank you again to Amber and Scott for coming and filling on. Um, it, it somehow to have a child and then uh, in like forty eight hours be like, all right, I'm gonna go report a podcast. Just uh, <laughs> um, was not gonna work, but uh, everyone's. Uh, good and healthy. My daughter um, is doing really, really well. Um, she's giving us some sleep, which is very good. Um, but you you might hear a lot of uh, half thoughts, or we might have to do some more editing out of me going, I don't know what I was talking about, but we'll just
0: move <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, well, it doesn't help that we record this at late at night now too, so that's not that's not helping. But no, I'm excited to have my buddy back, and we've got some great episodes upcoming, starting with today, which is something that i pitched to you a few weeks back i don't necessarily remember why i thought of this but i thought it'd be a really fun episode so through the years disney has made changes to their parks and disney world disneyland i think we're going to primarily focus on disney world but various changes various decisions that they've done to celebrate special occasions or to just do something different and sometimes those changes uh get a gigantic woohoo and then other times those changes get a gigantic what were you thinking and so I thought we could assemble um some of those thoughts um some that we've experienced others that we have not experienced but just talk about what they were maybe why they were done and really just Disney fan reaction so uh, I think it's gonna be a fun episode Matt what do you think
1: Oh, this is, gonna it was, it was a very fun episode to uh, prepare for of like, okay, what, what did people hate? <laughs> yeah. So I don't think there's a rhyme
0: or reason to any of these. I mean, at least not to my list. I've got a couple listed for loved, a couple, a couple listed for, for hated. So since it, you're, you're back uh, and you've been gone for a couple of episodes, I'm going to give you the honor of going first. Give us one, either loved or hate. Uh, what do you got?
1: So I've got a little bit of a, a catch-all for mine, but it's, the castle seems to be one of the most changed out things that causes the most divide. And I mean I feel like we have to start out with the with the heaviest hitter which is the cake castle. <laughs> is there a debate in Disney that is more divisive of Disney fans than this cake castle?
0: So, let me ask you this. Did you like it or did you hate it?
1: I, I really don't like it. I, I wouldn't say that I, I'm, I'd like hate it. And it's, I know I wouldn't say it's an abomination. I get why they did it. Like it, it visually looks fine. It just, I, I, I don't know. Like, eh. <laughs> I think I am one of the sole
0: people who loved it. I thought it, I well, first of all, I wasn't in the park. I mean, it was nineteen ninety six, so I would have only been thirteen. I didn't even know about it when it happened. But when I look at pictures of it, I go, Wow, that is so fun. How cool would it have been to be there with that castle? I would have loved to have seen it. It's like a giant gingerbread house to me. And I just I just the whimsical of it, I just I absolutely love it. And I know I am I I'm probably getting a lot of hate mail on this one. But I just I do. Now I totally understand why people don't like it because if this is your once in a lifetime trip and you go down there to get a picture in front of Cinderella's castle and it's dressed up like a birthday cake, you're going to be really, really, really upset. I totally get that. But um, I also just think it, it looked like a lot of fun to me. I really do.
1: Oh, I mean, definitely they did a nice job with it. I just think aesthetically of walking down main street, you see this. Like it's a little bit campy. I feel like there's a way that they could have done it in a classier way. But it it looks just so campy that it it just doesn't do it for me. The the Imagineers did a great job with it. Like I'm I'm looking at a picture right now. The detail work, it's all very, very well done. It just um, it just doesn't really do it for me. But even this is not the only castle change. I mean, th- currently the time we are living in right now, the castle got a new paint job, and that has even caused some divide amongst fans. Yeah.
0: Now, are you? Uh, I, we actually put the poll up, or put a put a um, put a kind of a message up in the group a few weeks back on that. Probably more than a few weeks by the time this airs, about whether people loved it or hated. And I was tracking it, and from what I can tell, it's about Sixty to sixty-five percent of the people hate it, and thirty to thirty-five percent of
1: the people love it. Where do you fall on that? I, hmm. <laughs> I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit indifferent on this one. But I will say I, I, I do like the old one better. I again, I, you've heard me say this on the podcast many a time. I, I'm a fan of trying a change instead of just keeping something the same all the time. Just because, well, you know, people love it, so you know, we might as well keep it the way it is. I'm a fan of them saying, you know what, let's try something different. Maybe this becomes something that fans love even more. And then it's a huge win. the, The classic look is just something that because I grew up going to the parks and seeing that castle, I just like seeing the classic look. But again, I totally understand why they would give it a little bit of a facelift, especially for the time that we're in of like, imagine walking into that park after all this COVID stuff and seeing a brand new, beautifully mint uh, uh, conditioned castle would be really, really a, a pleasing thing.
0: Yeah, you know, for me, and again, I'm going to preface this with the fact that, of course, neither of us has seen this in person. It's only pictures or video. And from everything I've read, it, it is a totally different experience when you see it in person. For me, there's a couple things about it that I like, and then there's a couple things about it that I don't like. Personally, I'm not a fan of the pink, but I love the blue towers. And I think the blue towers and the gold trim would have looked really good with the original gray that was on the castle to begin with. I don't know why they had to go to the pink. Now, that said, I can't wait to see it in person, and I will challenge anybody, anybody, and I will say this. A day looking at the castle in its current form is better than any day not looking at the castle in its current form. And, Amen. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care what it looks like. I mean, the next one we're going to talk about here in just a minute is one that I think all of us kind of went, what did they do? Even then, on this day with the thing we're going to talk about, I still think we'd be rather be looking at that than not looking at the castle. So, um, And, of course, that one we're going to switch over to when Stitch covered the castle in toilet paper.
1: What a what a stupid idea. I'm
0: sorry. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Had Stitch's Great Escape actually been a decent ride, it may have worked out, but Stitch's Great Escape is absolutely horrendous. So for those of you who don't know, this was covered on November sixteenth, two thousand four. The castle was toilet papered by Stitch, quote unquote, uh, with the giant Stitch is King on the side of the castle. And um uh, people, I mean, could you just imagine being there? That's your again, your only trip to Magic Kingdom, and you've got to take a picture in front of the castle with toilet paper on it. I would be furious.
1: I wonder how many family pictures there are out there, like the one time they went to Disney and it's a teepeed castle and they, like, by principle, have to keep it up in their house or something like that. Absolutely. But what you're talking about, you know, another change that fans hated because, you know, Stitch's Great Escape was the extraterrestrial and – now they they put Stitch's Great Escape in there, and it it's it's bad. <laughs> I mean, it's no longer open. That's why that's how bad it was. Yeah. But really, it it was this. I, we have to transport ourselves back into that time frame because the early two thousands and mid two thousands were a weird time for the Disney Company. I mean, first of all, from a tourism standpoint, Disney was trying to really get people to go back in the park and the mid-2000s, what character had gotten to the point where they have transcended their own movie? The only character from that time frame was Stitch. You look I mean, at I all the movies... I you could
0: put Roseanne Barr's cow up there if you really wanted to. I mean, uh, go on now.
1: Putting Roseanne Barr's cow up there would have made this iteration of the castle look like a masterpiece. Uh, but... But yeah, you've got. I mean, the movies that came out during that time were Ember's New Groove, which while I love, I under Kronk, Cusco, and Pasha and Yzma are not transcending characters. It hurts me a little bit to say that, um, but they're not. Um, Atlantis, Treasure Planet, Home on the Range, Meet the Robinsons. uh, Like, these, these are fine movies. But the characters didn't transcend it. Stitch was the only one that did. And so in that time frame, that was what the Disney company had to do. They had to totally throw the kitchen sink with and the only thing in it was Stitch because that's all they had.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is where (laughs) this is where Disney, they tried to do some of these over the top things to to kind of make things change and they forget the 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 legacy part of some of these really iconic moments right and there are times that they've done this really well and then there are times that they haven't done it really well you know this whole show is not just about things that have been panned it's also about show or things that have been been universally revered so one of the things that was panned was in celebration of the millennium at Epcot on Spaceship Earth, a giant 25 story magic wand uh, being held by Mickey's hand, and the word Epcot was put on Spaceship Earth. And people all around the world hated this thing because it completely defeated the purpose of what Epcot was all about. Then there's the example of the Sorcerer Mickey hat inside. Uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, or at the time, I think it was MGM, but it's Hollywood Studios now. That actually lasted from 2001 to 2015. It was meant to literally be a temporary stage for one summer only, and it stayed up for 14 years. That is that probably, awesome. well, yeah. See, that is probably one of the only ones, or probably one of the other ones that has really divided the Disney crowd. See, for me, and, and it sounds like for you, I loved the Sorcerer Mickey Hat. I, to me. That was Hollywood Studios. But I found the reason why someone like me loves it is because my first trip to Disney was with the hat in the middle of the park. That is how I got introduced to Hollywood Studios, seeing that giant Sorcerer Mickey hat for the first time when I entered Disney Hollywood Studios. For somebody who went to Hollywood Studios In 1989, when the park first opened, it was the Chinese Theater at the end of Hollywood Boulevard, and this simply blocked blocked the view. And so I find that a lot of people, the divide between those who loved it and those who hated it was really, a lot of times, like, when you went. Like, when was your first trip? For you, your first trip would have been after the hat was constructed, because what was your first trip? How old were you?
1: Oh, I was four, so it would have been like ninety four. But okay, well, ultimately, then I guess maybe not so much your first
0: trip, but maybe the one of the first ones you can maybe remember.
1: <laughs> that, that's that's you're right on that one. Like more of my memories from it. I, I also have to say, in general, I am a fan of IP intellectual property in the parks. Okay. So I understand, like the whole, you know, you're trying to keep the aesthetic of Hollywood Boulevard and put the Chinese theater at the end. I get it, but. Absolutely, yes. Slap a Sorcerer Mickey hat in there. Uh, when Frozen uh, took over Maelstrom, uh, it, it, I, I'm like, great, put it in there. Um, even the Epcot one you talked about, I enjoyed that magic wand on the, on, on the side of Epcot with the Mickey hand. Like, I enjoyed that because I enjoy intellectual property. Like Disney has good intellectual property. It's not like they're trying to shoehorn bad movies in there. They're trying to shoehorn awesome characters into there, and sometimes it works. Well, and I think, too, that
0: I think sometimes Disney fans who get their their, their knickers in a twist, if you will, they, they think that the people who make these decisions are, are doing them rashly or not are doing them with the worst of intentions. When in reality, that's not the case. They're doing them with the best of intentions, but they're just not always perceived. And I'm going to give you a great example of a time of something that was done very quickly to offset a mistake that was made that is still in the parks today. And a lot of people don't realize that this is one of the most beloved attractions now or one of the most beloved shows now in all the parks, yet it was only meant to be temporary. And so when Animal Kingdom was built, um, there was supposed to be a completely separate area called Beastly Kingdom. So Beastly Kingdom was going to be for the fantastical creatures, the dragons and whatever. What has basically become Pandora now, but at the time was going to be called Beastly Kingdom. In fact, if you look at the Animal Kingdom logo, the sign, you will see a dragon in the mix with the lions and the dinosaur and all that stuff. That's because they were going to talk about not only animals from the past and of current, but also of fantasy. Well, it never got constructed because of budget constraints. So what Michael Eisner and the team did is in order to kind of shoehorn in just some extra activities over there, they created a little area called Camp Mini Mickey. And it's meant to be like Minnie Mickey, like, you know, like an old, you know, Native American name. Um, I don't know if that would fly today, to be honest with you, but you get my point. Um, Probably not. <laughs> you know what they put in there, though, as a way to boost some um, attendance over to that area of the park? The Festival of the Lion King the festival of the lion King was put in that area as a temporary show to have something more to do in the park. And it was put in a temporary, it was put in an outdoor space that had a awning over it. The show ended up being one of the most popular parts of that park. You and I both love that show. It is
1: great show. Oh my Wonderful God, it, show.
0: Is, it is the best show other than probably Fantasmic on property, in my opinion. And it, It stuck. And so they built it a permanent home over there. And then eventually they had to move it again over to its new home currently in Africa when they built Pandora. But that is an example of infusing IP into the parks. And then people loved it, so they kept it.
1: Yeah, I mean, because Animal Kingdom does have a little bit of a non-IP vibe Mm -hmm. to it. And so the fact that they can infuse the Lion King into that, which again, it makes sense. It's one of six films where of the animated variety where no humans appear on screen. It's all animals. Um, And so it, it, and Lion King, say it again. What are the other five? What are the other five? Actually, okay, we're gonna uh, play play the dis games music. Um, can you name the other five? No, I'm asking you. I'm, I'm curious. I know, I know
0: that Jungle Book technically could be, even though Mowgli's in there, but I would assume that's probably one of the ones you're talking about. Um, no,
1: so it is. Um, uh, sorry, go ahead. It's it's not Jungle Book is not one of them because yeah, Mowgli's okay. a human. Let me preface the barriers here. This is not Pixar. This is just Walt Disney Animation Studios, starting with Snow White, ending now with uh, Frozen 2. All right. Zootopia? That's, yep. So, yep.
0: All right. So, Zootopia, Robin Hood?
1: Robin Hood, correct.
0: Um, uh, the, I don't know. The Rescuers has got humans in it, right? Yes, it does. All right. Uh, um, Aristocats?
1: No, that one's got a human. The butler is the um, villain. I've
0: never seen it, so I want to know. Um, oh my goodness! I mean, theoretically, anything with Mickey Mouse. I guess they're not really movies. Like you've got the shorts there. I, yeah, I'm blanking. I don't know. Okay, so
1: that's that's pretty good. You got th- um, three where it's – So you got obviously Lion King is one of them. Uh, yeah. Then Robin Hood. Robin Hood's actually one that people forget a lot of, and Utopia. Uh, but then you've got Bambi. Um, while but there's, but there's the no, hunter- there's, a, there's a hunter. He is implied, but he is never seen on screen.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay.
1: Um, they, they do it musically. And, and I mean, probably that's for the best because they probably didn't want a giant hunter with a gun yeah, <laughs> yeah. gunning down a deer on screen. Um, right. Anyway, um, and then Dinosaur. Um, so not the good Dinosaur, Dinosaur, right. which so was... The one that Dinosaur the Riot's based off of. Which, what an example of, of a ride that is light years better than the movie. The the movie is 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 horrible. It's it's not good. Um anyway, uh, <laughs> so that one and then um the other one I guess you could argue is is not correct but Chicken Little is the other one. Um the Okay. okay. The asterisk on it is there is a scene where you see the movie theater and they are watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and Harrison Ford's character appears on the screen of them watching the movie. All right. But th- th- that's a, it's a technicality there. So, yeah, those are, the, those are the six. You've got Lion King, Chicken Little, Zootopia, Bambi, Robin Hood, and Dinosaur. And I guess I would argue of
0: those, the ones that fit into Animal Kingdom the best are going to be dinosaur, are going to be, are going to be Lion King, are going to be Zootopia. Honestly, even though Jungle Book's not in that mix, I, I think Jungle Book could definitely be a really good fit into there too. Clearly, but I right, agree with you. That's an interesting take. Okay, so what else you got on your list?
1: Um, I've got one that that um, at least for me is positive, and I think in general is positive, and that is um, uh, Downtown Disney into Disney Springs.
0: Yes, uh, yes.
1: That was a big change that really, wow, just transformed that area. I remember going to downtown Disney as a kid and just felt kind of dumpy. Like it felt like a bad strip mall. Like it had a couple of nice stores, but ultimately it wasn't a place that I wanted to spend any kind of time. Whereas now, Disney Springs has got some really great dining. You know, we talked about the boathouse with Lumangello. Oh, cannot recommend that enough walked into a bunch of the shops and boutiques and, uh, there's experiences, you know, they've got the cars that can, that, you know, go into the water and then drive around. They've got, uh, the void, which is a VR experience down there. Um, you've got your, your experiential dining with, uh, you know, Rainforest Cafe, I believe, is down there. There's a dinosaur restaurant down there. And 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 so it just it it has come alive. And what a, a great, great change. And and most people, I believe, are pretty positive on Disney Springs.
0: Yeah, you know what? I um I've experienced it once. My mom and I saw it a couple years ago. This was right when it transferred. I don't even think the it was hundred percent complete yet, but it was pretty enjoyable. You know, for me, uh, Everyone says, go to Disney Springs, go to Disney Springs. I'm not a big shopper. You know, I'm not a big, you know, I don't buy a lot of stuff. I do love the World of Disney Store. I love the Coca-Cola store down there. The atmosphere, the vibe is pretty awesome. Um, It's not a place that I'm going to spend eight hours at, I will tell you that. But, yeah, I can definitely see why people love it. It's definitely a fun place if you don't have, you know, park tickets for the day or whatever, which makes total sense. Um, I've got one that's going to be really interesting. I want to see where you fall on this one because it does seem that the general consensus has been most people don't like it, yet it completely transformed the way that people take a Disney vacation. And that was when they went away from the legacy FastPass system to the FastPass Plus system in my disney experience
1: i I like the current fast pass system i get that it's flawed but maybe the reason that i like it is because i know how to manipulate it to my advantage and whereas maybe some people's frustration with it is they don't understand how it works and how they have to schedule their fast passes uh, so I, 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 understand, you know, Disneyland does not do fast pass. They have like the, they have a whole different system and, and in listening to podcasts and talking with Disney fans who have been to Disneyland and Disney world, there's a big cry out for that system in Disneyland to come to Disney world, but well, regardless,
0: well, no, hold on. They actually do have a fast pass system They don't have fast pass plus they, they have the legacy fast pass system. So you go into the parks you go to an attraction, you get a fit paper fast pass.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. This is the, this is the first moment of kid brain. That, <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Yeah. Now <laughs> what you're thinking of is max pass, which is in addition to the paper fast passes, they can pay. I don't know what the amount is they can pay to get. I think it's a certain number of fast passes in addition to the paper fast passes. And one of the biggest concerns that Disney World fans had when Fast Pass Plus first rolled out was that, are they going to make people pay to have Fast Passes? And, and I'll tell you, that's not uncommon in the theme park world. I mean, that that's that's what you get at Universal Studios. That's what you get at a Six Flags Great America. That's what you get at a Cedar Point. You pay for that privilege. And there are a lot of people who do argue that Fast Pass Plus is one of the reasons why the lines for standby are as long as they are. That if everybody just had an equal playing field, the lines would actually shorten up.
1: I I don't necessarily disagree with that because there are some times where depending on just who's there for fast passes, it totally affects whether you can get on. I remember I did both light your space rager spin one time and I got on, on in 20 minutes at like a peak time. And it was because, you know, it, that's one of those where you can see the fast pass line. It goes congruent to you. So you can see how many people are coming in and just no one was coming in with their fast passes. So everything was coming through the standby line. Yep. And it, but I, my argument to that though, is that's one of those things where you only hate fast passes when you don't have a fast pass.
0: True. True. I agree. I, I, I love fast passes and there is something absolutely just fulfilling when you've got the fast pass and there's a two hour wait for space mountain and you're walking your way through. Oh, what up? No, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what up? And everyone else is looking at you with those dagger eyes kind of like Roger rabbits uh, main villain does, you know, it's yeah. just, it just, I, I agree with you, but there is an argument to be made from a meta perspective, a macro perspective, I should say that, um, If the fast pass wasn't there and it's kind of bearing out right now with, with what's going down in the parks right now, they don't have fast pass. They've just got standby lines and yeah, granted the capacity is like 30% or something like that down there, but the lines are just moving. People are just moving through and, and people are riding their rides. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why fast pass was something Disney absolutely loved fast pass plus was it gave them a chance to prepare from a staffing perspective about which rides were going to be busy or when.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I, I, that's where you can, especially in Magic Kingdom, I think it works because you can only get three. And there's so many big name attractions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, to me, it's not a total way to cheat the system. You know, you do you end up uh, standing in a line. But honestly, Casey, I think paying for fast passes is something that's going to be here in the next five or ten years. I it, it just be is. By next year.
0: I don't think it's next five or ten. I think it's going to be next year. I think before COVID hit, they were ramping up for it to
1: begin with. Um, and and honestly that it'll be interesting to see if that thins out more of the fast passes though. I'm going to go on record and say, I will pay for fast passes.
0: I don't know if I would. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've never paid for them before at different amusement parks. I don't necessarily know if I would pay for them here. I don't, here's the thing. If it was an a la carte and you know, it was, you know, $15 a fast pass and you didn't have to take a minimum, you could just a la carte, you got, you know, you got 15 bucks per person for a particular ride that you wanted to ride. And it was like a reservation system. I'd do that. You know, if I was going to Animal Kingdom, I'd pay to, to, to fast pass, you know, flight of passage, or if I was going to, you know, um, going to Hollywood studios, I'd pay to, you know, fast pass rise of resistance. I think honestly, the other possibility beyond just fast pass is they don't go to a paid fast pass system. They go to a reservation system across the parks like you see with Rise of the Resistance.
1: Yeah, I think my, my problem with that is, uh, from what I gather, that's a crapshoot. That's just, do you get there at the right time, and are you lucky enough to get something? And th- that just feels... I hope they don't. I understand why they're doing the virtual queue and that system for Rise of the Resistance, because I don't think I can't think of a better way to do it. But man, do I hope that they don't do that for the rest of the rest of the, the parks, because honestly, yes, you can say that the FastPass Plus, Plus system is flawed, but there is something really nice about going into my vacation and going into my day at Magic Kingdom and saying, all right, I know that I have three, these three rides that I'm not going to wait a long time for. And so then I can then plan the rest of my day to make sure, okay, well, if I really want to do this ride, I need to do that early or wait or keep an eye on my Disney experience. I have to check wait times. I, the idea that I would have to get there at a certain time and then just like hope and pray I get to go on the rides that I want to go on just seems more stressful than a vacation.
0: Let me ask you this, because something that I've often thought about that's kind of the reverse of this conversation is what if they went to a complete fast pass only system? And what would your thoughts be on that? So meaning, you know, 60 days out, you know, you're going to be in Magic Kingdom for this day and you are allotted eight rides. You're allowed to ride eight rides and can plan all eight out while you're
1: there. Would that be something you think would be a good idea? No, not at all. I think I'd love that. I would love that. Because so much of what I do is, yes, it's planned, but there's sometimes where I'm like, I'll just hop on this ride. So I I go do my eight things. And what if I decide that I want to go do something else?
0: Yeah.
1: I, 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 I feel like that goes back to more of like the, the tickets thing, where it's like you have e-tickets and, and you pay per ticket. I don't know. Like I, there, there isn't really a perfect system. I would be curious to do full capacity, no fast passes. That I don't know. Just, if are,
0: I mean, honestly, the parks, I don't know if any of the parks have ever experienced that in modern times.
1: Yeah, like that's the thing is I'd really be curious to see, huh, do these lines move just as quickly if there's just one line and you're pulling everybody from those lines rather than trying to do this, oh, we got to pull four people from the FastPass line, okay, four people from here, four people from there, like just saying, all right, we have this amount of capacity, let's crank everybody through this line. I'd be curious if that... That would work because honestly, most of the loading things, those cast members have it down. They are moving you through.
0: Well, it ultimately has a lot to do with that point where the fast pass and standby lines merge. You can actually watch the patterns, you know, for every you know five people they let through on the standby line they let 10 people through for the fast pass line so you're moving literally at half the speed of what the fast pass line is so you know you suddenly start to see why it goes so slow where if everybody was just moving at the same pace the line might be longer but you're also going to move through it faster so yeah i'm with you i'm with you before we close out the show do you have any more
1: um, I mean, a couple of rides to mention, uh, or I say, one ride that I wanted to mention, the Disney World transformation from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride to Winnie the Pooh was highly controversial. And that's one of those that's just weird to me. Like, are there really that many Mr. Toad fans <laughs> out there? Like, really? I've never even uh, seen the movie, so I don't even know what it's about. So, yeah. Well, uh. so you should – you should watch that one one night. It's a good. It, it's paired with um, uh, it's Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and so it's paired with like the Headless Horseman story. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's worth a watch.
0: All right, all right. Uh, what do you have? Um, do you have the redhead transformation on Pirates of the Caribbean on your list?
1: Yeah, I had that one down there as well. That
0: one. I don't know why that one really made so many people so upset. Like, I think she's a kick butt character now. Red. I mean, she's a pretty awesome, you know, addition to the pirates. You know.
1: That, that to me is like one of those minor changes that doesn't affect the experience of the ride at all. No. I, I don't understand why people were so uh, adamantly against that. And, and I know the arguments of... Uh, that just to me hold no ground. Well, it's not what Walt would have wanted. Yes, it would. It was, like, exactly and, and honestly, maybe, maybe that's wrong of me to say that. We don't really know that. We don't really know what Walt would want to do. Maybe he would want to change it. Maybe he wouldn't. We don't know. But using that as an excuse for everything just feels like it. It, it, it feels like you're. It feels like people are saying that without really knowing what Walt would actually want and and again it's is something that is a minor change that in my mind just updates it to where we are in today's world standards
0: yeah and again I do I am confident in saying that this is exactly what Walt would want I don't know Walt i never met Walt I never will meet Walt Well, maybe you know when I pass away or whatever but you know <laughs> my point is this Walt was always about plusiness attractions he famously said Disneyland will never be finished. I was just watching, rewatching for the third time, even though my partner in crime has not watched it once. The Imaginary Story on Disney Plus, the very first episode, and you know, the very first episode goes from literally um, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit all the way through to the death of Walt Disney in the first episode. And one of the things that's towards the end is when he says Disneyland will never be finished, and that is true for any of this stuff. It will never be finished, and to have a female heroine or Antagonist or protagonist or whatever in that in that particular ride um, with one of the boys, I think is exactly what Walt would say. Do it. It's now. It's modern. It's it's a sign of the times. You know, just look at his designs for Epcot, and you'll know that he was always about looking towards the future. and And I think that's a good way to end today's show. I think that's a good way to think about it. There will always be change inside the Disney parks, and there will always be rides and attractions that we love and things that bring us joy am i upset they took down the sorcerer mickey hat you better believe it but you know what that doesn't stop me from going to hollywood studios because you know what in its place all around the park there's so much more fun uh, the toy story uh the slinky dog dash again batu um you know star wars land all that stuff is there it will never be finished and in an order to make room for this new stuff sometimes the old's gotta go
1: yeah. And I, I think there is something to be said, too, about having the memory of something that was really, really cool yep. that isn't there anymore to be able to say, yeah, I remember when there was the big sorcerer hat. And I think that's going to be really cool to to be able to tell like my kids um, someday of like, yeah, hey, here's a picture of me in front of the sorcerer's hat. That's not there anymore, but it used to be. And that's really cool. Yeah, I
0: agree with you. Well, it's closing time, my friends. Should you should you want to get a hold of us, you can reach us on the Facebook page at the Beers and Ears podcast. Get us on Instagram or on Twitter at BeersEars1928. Feel free to email us at BeersAndEars1928 at gmail.com. Matt, let's close the show out, my friend.
1: Yeah, um, please uh, tweet at us, Instagram us, Facebook group. Tell us uh, changes that we missed in the episode that either you love, hate. We want to hear them all. All right, guys, let's raise
0: our glass. And uh, this episode's been on us, new episodes, Tuesdays and Fridays. Have a wonderful night, everybody. We'll see you real soon.
1: Bye, everybody.